Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. This is your host, of course, Mike Abadir. Today is January 18th, 2024. And, uh, you know, we we spent some time talking about it last week. For those who missed last week's show, uh, it was a tribute to my main man, Pop DiBiase, who has unfortunately passed away at a very, very young age. Um, So we spent some time talking about him. But the show must go on. He wants it to go on. His family wants it to go on. Uh, so, you know, all these shows for from here on out are done in memory of Pop DiBiase, whose real name is uh, Jamil Yancey Brown. Um, so if you want to keep his family in your prayers, much appreciated. But I'll tell you, man, the, he was all about sports, loved sports, ate, drank, breathed, you know, the whole, like, epic Sports journey is what Pop kind of lived in his own life, you know. He was legit friends with a lot of horse racing trainers, especially at his beloved Santa Anita Race Park, which is right down the street from his house. He knows a lot of, like, big-time boxers personally. That's kind of how he got his name out there initially was through boxing, covering boxing, and doing a fantastic job in the area of boxing. And then he incorporated some NBA NFL, him and I get together, and uh, we've been super close since then. So all these shows from here on out, we're going to keep Pop DiBiase in our hearts and push forward in the manner that he would want us to. So with that said, let's start with a team that Pop DiBiase was really, really high on this year. And the prediction show, he had taken Cleveland when nobody took Cleveland. Nobody really thought about Cleveland being a force. Yeah, everybody knows their defense, but it's like Deshaun Watson's big question mark, you know, hasn't really uh, done anything in the NFL for a few years. You know, tight ends, Njoku, yeah, nice. Uh, Receivers, yeah, Amari Cooper, but beyond that, you know, what what do they got? You know, Chubb, big-time running back. And then Chubb gets hurt in the first game, and he's out for the year, tears ACL. So then it's like, yeah, season's over. But Pop also made a prediction that the Cincinnati Bengals would not make the playoffs. So those are two things that he absolutely nailed square on the head, that Cleveland would be a playoff team, that Cincinnati Bengals would not be a playoff team. And so that gets us right until all the action last weekend, the first round of the NFL playoffs. And, you know, it provided what the NFL playoffs typically provide each and every year, right? Which is crazy results, upsets, teams that you end up overreacting to in terms of thinking how good they are, teams that you underappreciated, that came out and flourished, teams that disappointed, i.e., Dallas Cowboys, we'll talk about that in a bit. Teams that are expected 
to do their thing. You know, Buffalo Bills is an example. Let's start with Cleveland and the Texans. Cleveland and the Houston Texans. That was a pretty intriguing matchup because you kind of had like this vaunted defense going up against, you know, a rookie quarterback, a rookie quarterback that's going up against an experienced Super Bowl winning quarterback and Joe Flacco. And so it's kind of like what gives because the Texans offense dealt with a lot of injuries during the season. You know, they lost one of their better wideouts in Tank Dell, um, you know, and, and CJ Stroud had missed some time. So it was easy to kind of have some uncertainty about the Houston Texans because we didn't know exactly what we were going to get. But with Cleveland, we knew. We knew that we're going to get really, really good defense, probably one of the top three or four defenses in the NFL. And that Flacco has kind of found his uh, fountain of youth and has had a lot of magic. You know, in the last third of the season, him and the offense have been on a roll. They've been killing it. They've been able to run the ball. They've been able to pass the ball at will. They're blowing out teams. They're beating good teams when needed. They looked on paper to be a team to be reckoned with that could seriously give, like, the Ravens the number one seed a run for their money. They hit a wall. They played in Houston against the Texans and hit a wall. I'm talking they gave up 45 points, and they got shut out in the second half. Final score, 45 to 14. At halftime, Houston set the tempo. They were up 24 to 14, and then extended their lead in the second half by winning the second half 21-0. That is an ass-whooping. That is an ass-stomping. And they played defense. They played offense. They returned some pick sixes to the house. They did it all. And so that was super, super impressive. Overall, great season by the, by the Cleveland Browns. You know, they went 11-6. and six. Can't complain about that. Probably beat expectations of every single sports writer out there. Probably beat expectations of everyone outside of maybe uh, Cleveland Browns fans. And I'm sure within the Cleveland Browns fan community, I'm sure that there were a few that weren't necessarily super optimistic about this team. Uh, if you had asked them before the season, will you take a playoff appearance? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. But what ends up resulting is that C.J. Stroud becomes the youngest quarterback to win a playoff game. First opportunity to get into the big stage, and he lit it up. Singletary was effective on the ground. Nico Collins, big game in the air. Fun team. Fun team. I think this is a team that has the pieces to be a playoff contender for years to come. You know, as long as C.J. Stroud continues to perform and improve at the rate that he has been showing, this is going to be, you know, one, this is going to be one of those quarterbacks I feel that, you know, 10 years from now, we'll be talking about him being the current NFL's like Aaron Rodgers type of guy, you know, 
where he's getting into the playoffs every year. He's a Pro Bowl, All Pro type quarterback each and every year. I think, I think CJ Stroud has that upside, has that ability. I'm excited about him. The main reason I like him is because he's more of a classic dropback passer. You know, he's not one of those guys that depends on his wheels. He's not one of those guys that is going to be running the option. You know, uh, this guy could legitimately, you know, play under center. He can drop back. He's got a nice touch pass, short passing game, effective. Uh, you know, he's been able to make all the throws and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And that's the formula in today's NFL. You don't need to thread the needle like Brett Favre on every play. But you can't make mistakes. You know, um, that's that's the way today's NFL is. It's interesting because, like, guys like Favre or Marino, in today's world, they would have unacceptable INT numbers. But the game is very different now. Very, very different now. So in today's NFL world, you know, it's more about precision. You know, they've taken the West Coast offense to the nth degree. And so you have a lot of short passes, higher completion percentage, um, you know, just higher percentage plays for positive yards than they sought out before. You know, uh, Barb and Marino, if they play in this age, they'd be putting up ridiculous numbers, right? So I'm not trying to say anything about them. I think they would be the best in the league right now. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But they'd be asked to do something very different than what they did in the past. And a big reason for that is not just the evolution of, of the offense in football, but also because of the favorable rules to quarterbacks, favorable rules to receivers, the unfavorable rules to defensive backs, etc. So... Yeah, I think C.J. Stroud is is legit, and I'm really excited to see what he can do uh, this weekend against the Ravens. I think that's an intriguing matchup. Vegas has the Baltimore Ravens as a nine-point favorite. So basically, they're saying that they expect a 10-point blowout or more. Well, I shouldn't say they expect. That's how they're anticipating the wagering being supportive of that line. I think it's kind of high. You know, obviously the Ravens have been on a roll, right? They stomped on San Francisco on national TV. And I think at that point, everybody was solidified. This is the best team in football. I think that kind of cemented them to have that title. But you and I all know that, the best team in football, quote-unquote, isn't always the team that wins. Just because you are the best doesn't mean that you could beat every team. Just because you're labeled the best doesn't mean that you're going to match up well against every opponent you face in the offseason. Or excuse me, in the postseason. So, we'll see. I, I, I wouldn't totally eliminate the chances of C.J. Stroud and the Texans because I think they can surprise people again, just like they did in the last weekend of the playoffs. So let's keep it moving. Let's 
move over from the AFC to the NFC. And probably the biggest shocking upset of the weekend. And that would be the Dallas Cowboys, who were previously unbeaten at home, getting throttled by the upstart Green Bay Packers. By a guy that nobody thought would be what he is or what he did, I should say, in the playoffs. I mean, it was a real real stunner, the wild card uh, matchup between the Cowboys and, and the Packers because, you know, Dak got outplayed at home. Dallas had a lot of expectations. Jerry Jones built up this team, you know, that they're dual threat on the ground and in the air, that this team doesn't lose at home, that this defense is absolutely ridiculous. But, hey, Packers came to play. They weren't fooling around. And don't let that final score fool you. I mean, yeah, the the final score being a 16-point loss is bad enough. But it was way worse than a 16-point loss. It was an absolute ass-kicking. At halftime, it was 27-7 to at the half. Most of the stats that the Cowboys put up were second-half clock-wasting, you know, late-in-the-game type numbers when defenses, you know, will give up some passes in the middle so that the clock keeps moving, right? And proof of what I'm talking about is in the middle of the field, Jake Ferguson had the most receptions on the Cowboys with 10. Second most, C.D. Lamb, of course, but then right behind him was Tony Pollard. So you had a lot of dump-offs. You had a lot of uh, passes to the tight end, Jake Ferguson, who was a pretty good tight end, but he did some good mop-up duty. And ultimately, the Dallas rushing attack didn't really get going until the second half. And a big percentage of that was on a long run by Dak Prescott. So even the 123 total for the game rushing yards is not as impressive as 103 excuse me 123 would suggest it was one long play and then some garbage time yardage to make it the box score at least look respectable but Dak was telegraphing in my opinion, he was telegraphing what he was going to do way too much. It was way too obvious. So I actually looked at an NFL draft prospect that I'm hanging out with uh, the other day while he's trading at AZ, uh, Tyler Potts, Red Potts from Ball State. We'll be talking to him uh, in the upcoming shows, definitely. And we both were like, you know what? He keeps going to the middle because there's nothing open for him outside. He's telegraphed this so much, he's going to be throwing a pick six the other way in a matter of time. Sure enough, like two or three plays after we said that, boom, pick six, touchdown, to the house. And that is always gut-wrenching. That is always, for whatever reason, that is an absolute momentum killer because you're driving driving the ball down the field 
you know, with either three or six or seven or eight on the horizon. And then boom, you get picked off, you go the other way, and now you score, and now that's like a potential 14-point swing in a matter of seconds. Instead of you going in, and I'm not saying they were first and goal or anything, you know, but they were driving down the field that with, you know, they're looking to get some momentum. Not just do you stuff the momentum, but you actually, you know, put a dagger in the heart when you do that, especially in an intense playoff game. And so, you know, lo and behold, Green Bay Packers are moving on. Dallas Cowboys are left with a lot of question marks, everything ranging from their head coach, Mike McCarthy, to the leadership of Dak Prescott, to Tony Pollard, and is he the guy? To the receiving core, what do we need to do beyond C.D. Lamb? All of these legit fair game questions, because whatever they put together just didn't work. So with that said, let's take a quick commercial timeout, talk with the other games, and then we'll move on to this weekend's matchups in a little bit more detail on the Mike Abadier Show. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. We were just talking about the NFL playoffs and the matchups and the upsets namely the Green Bay Packers upsetting the Dallas Cowboys. And we talk about, talked about Pop DiBiase's Cleveland Browns, who had a great season, who were stopped in the middle of their tracks. 
just wanted to quickly mention. So as I said earlier, Pop's name is Jamil. Uh, that obviously can have different pronunciations uh, depending on the language that you're referring to. So in classical Arabic, it is pronounced Jamil. In Egyptian dialect Arabic, it's with a hard G and not a J. So it's Gamil. And in either any and all languages, it means beautiful or a variation on the word beautiful. And Pop Tibiasi was a beautiful soul, a beautiful man, just the heart of gold. And he was always funny. He could take any moment of seriousness and turn it into a funny opportunity. Uh, very self-deprecating, but also saw the world in a very neutral manner. And what I mean by that is, he blocked out the noise, wasn't listening to what everybody else said, and then formulating an opinion. Nope. He would have his opinion based on how he saw it, and it was objective. And to him, it wasn't black or white. It's what's right or wrong, what's truthful or not truthful. And so that's one of the big reasons why we connected. You know, it's that individuality of pop that draw me close to him. Speaking of individuality, how about Patrick Mahomes? Is there any individual in the NFL that is like more guaranteed of a round one playoff victory? I know I'm going to offend some people here, especially the hardcore Michael Jordan fans. But I think Patrick Mahomes is worthy of a Jordan-esque type reputation. The guy wins in the playoffs every year, every time he's in. He's, he's winning games. And the Chiefs didn't have, like, a great razzle-dazzle pizzazz of a season, even though they were 11-6. and six. It was a very good record. They lost some games that they probably shouldn't have. They were making mistakes that they definitely shouldn't have been making. And overall, it seems like they just didn't like pass the eye test necessarily. There was a lot of drop balls. There was a lot more talk about, you know, who's in the audience and the stadium, cutaways, because now you have a bigger celeb in the house than anybody that's even playing on the field. And could that have been a distraction for all pro future Hall of Famer Travis Kelsey? You know, I don't know. But when crunch time came, Patrick Mahomes delivered. He delivered in the same way that he always does in the playoffs, which is mistake-free football. Doesn't turn over the ball. Doesn't have any reckless plays. He's very efficient on the passing side. Runs when necessary. And he got he had he ripped a big a big run, you know, that 20 plus run that it seems like he gets in every playoff game. As a team, they rushed for 147 yards. And they grounded the fish. They just grounded them. Tua couldn't get anything going. Couldn't break the 200-yard mark even in passing. 
the receiving game, you know, aside from one play by Tyreek Hill, the cheetah, you know, they, they, they really weren't effective in the passing game. Uh, the running game, they, get, they gained 76 yards on the ground. Uh, 20, 25 of that was uh, on the ground by Tua. He had a long of 14 yards. And typically speaking, you know, Tua is not a running quarterback. So, you know, um, a lot of times late in the game, when a hole opens up and you have to get that first down, you know, he, he may be able to get a few yards for, for you, but it's that's not a part of his game. So you take away that 25, and we're talking about like a 50-yard rushing performance by the team. And that ain't going to cut it. And I get it. Once you fall behind, you kind of have to sh- shift away from the running game. You have to make it more of a passing game. But they couldn't get it going on either end. You know, whereas the Kansas City Chiefs, like I said, 147 yards on the ground. They controlled the tempo. They controlled the game. They controlled the clock. And in my mind, there's nobody better equipped. If there's anybody that I can give the ball to in the playoffs, it's going to be none other than number one five, Patrick Mahomes. So, we'll see what the Fish can do to regroup. I'm still high on them. I think they've got a lot of great pieces. Uh, But we'll move on to the team that snuck up on them and snatched that AFC East first seed right from underneath the Dolphins, who had several game lead, you know, equivalent of having like a double-digit lead in baseball and giving it up and then losing the division crown. That's basically what, what they did, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, they had a really tough schedule to close the year. But nonetheless, they had enough of a cushion that you'd think they'd be able to do it. You go back and look at the one that you should have got, the one that you let get away, and that was the game against the Titans on Monday Night Football, where they had a big lead, gave up the big lead, lost, you know, it was kind of like, okay, well, no big deal. We're still in first place. We still got a cushion. We're still good. That's how close things get at the end. You have to win those games you're supposed to win, especially when you have a lead, especially when you have a lead at home. You got to close that out. You don't close it out. More often than not, you're going to come back to that moment in time and see that, that we, you know, we as a team are paying the price for not making that stop when we had to, for letting this team gain some momentum, for letting the Titans get back into this ball game. Ultimately, they, if they win that game like they were supposed to, you know, their, their playoff fate could be and would be very, very different. But the team that snatched that top, uh, that division from them, the Buffalo Bills, I'll say this. They had a good first half. They scored 21 points in the first half. They had a 21-7 to lead in the first half. 
Now, a big part of that was Mason Rudolph's turnovers. You know, he had an opportunity to connect on a touchdown pass. Ball wasn't very well thrown. It was a poorly thrown ball, and uh, the Bills intercepted. And this kind of happened uh, after the Steelers were driving uh, uh, to basically be, stay in this ballgame, right? But instead, the Bills pick it off, and they march down the field. So instead of it being 14-14, close to the half, it became 21-7. to That's a big difference. In the second half, the teams were even. Each scored 10. Each scored a field goal and a touchdown. They traded field goals in the third. They traded touchdowns in the fourth. Uh, you know, I can't say I was overly impressed by the Bills. Sure, the final score is 14. But I think outside of a couple of plays that went uh, against the Steelers and definitely a couple of penalties that were absolutely atrocious and the win against the Steelers, this game was a lot closer than the final score suggests. It's kind of the opposite of that Packers and Green Bay game where I said that that final score did not represent how much of an ass-whooping Green Bay and Jordan Love and company laid on the Packers, on the Cowboys. And, you know, we spent so much time talking about the Cowboys, I almost didn't give enough love to Love. And I think we'll have more opportunity to do that because he gets to play again this weekend, unlike Dak. Dak got to pack his bags, go home, get that vacation started early, along with his head coach, Mike McCarthy. You know, uh, but all credit due to the Packers. All credit also due to the Bills for winning their game. Like I said, a little bit clo- uh, you know, closer than I anticipated the game being. But nonetheless, they move on. Now, speaking of close games, the closest game of the weekend, the one game that was never a, play, uh, a blowout possibility, unlike all the other games, you know, where we saw the Texans blow out the Browns, we saw the Chiefs blow out the Dolphins, we saw the Packers blow out the Cowboys, we got the Rams and Lions. And this was a pretty cool matchup because you had the rare instance of quarterbacks who were traded for each other in Goff and Stafford. And then matching up against one another in the playoffs. And each led the Rams to the Super Bowl. Stafford obviously being on the winning end of a Super Bowl. Uh, Goff on the losing end. But nonetheless, this was going to be kind of like the the matchup that kind of solidifies, you know, uh, at least to the pundits out there, you know, who who is the more worthy of those quarterbacks. And I think both ended up showing that they both are worthy, right? They, they both did a hell of a job. Stafford threw for 367 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Puka Nakua has really cemented himself as amongst the upper echelon of wide receivers in the NFL. Nine receptions, buck 81, and a touchdown. And this final score was very representative of how close the game was. It finished up 24 to 23. One-point game. Doesn't get closer to that than that in the NFL or in any sport, really. A one-point game is a one-point game. That means each team 
matched each other toe-to-toe, and ultimately the Lions were able to pull it off in front of their home field. It had been decades, decades. I mean, there are people that have lived and died and not ever seen the Lions win a playoff game. You know, they, they showed a season ticket holder since like the 60s or 50s or something. You know, he's in his late 90s now, and he was just ecstatic. He got to see something, uh, you know, in, in person that he's been waiting for for a very, very long time. So I'm happy for the city of Detroit. You know, first win, 32 years, you know. Um, so props to them. You know, unless you're maybe like 45 or so years old, you know, uh, you, you don't have any memory of a Detroit Lions victory. So enjoy it. Let's see what they can do this upcoming weekend. I think they've got a favorable matchup, uh, but it's an intriguing one nonetheless. And that would be the winner of this final matchup, which is the Eagles and the Buccaneers. The Bucks laid the wood on the Eagles, who were the number one seed. And they were 10 and 1. And they fell apart at the seams like a team that I haven't seen since the, I think it was the 86 Jets, who were also 10 and 1 and ended up blowing that lead and didn't even make the playoffs. Uh, this team did make the playoffs, but they didn't even show up. I mean, they were shut out in three out of the four quarters. The Buccaneers win. Congrats to Baker Mayfield, 337 yards, three touchdowns. You know, they, they, they got a formidable team, and it poses an intriguing matchup against Detroit. So let's take a final timeout. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about the Eagles versus the Detroit Lions and all the other matchups right after this. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. 
VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back for the final segment on the Mike Abadir Show. We're rolling through the NFL playoff situations game by game, matchup by matchup. And we are left with four really kick-ass games this weekend. But not according to the Vegas point spreads. It's kind of a blowout weekend if you gauge it by the lines for these games. So the aforementioned Ravens are nine-point favorites over the Texans. The 49ers are nine-and-a-half-point favorites against the Packers. The Lions are six-and-a-half-point favorites over the Buccaneers. And then the only one that's close, you know, within a field goal or a field goal in of itself are the Chiefs and Bills. Bills are three-point favorites. Every single team that I mentioned that's a favorite is at home. The Bills and Chiefs will be the last game of this weekend. And the first game will be the Texans and the Ravens on Saturday, followed by the Niners and the Packers Saturday night. And on Sunday, the morning game or the early game, I should say, will be the Lions and the Bucks. And then closing out the weekend will be the Bills and the Chiefs, the game that's expected to be the most intriguing of the weekend. I will say this. A lot of people are very high on the Bills, and rightfully so. You know, they, they, they're they on a really good run currently to close out this season. And in any sport, you want to be hot leading up to the playoffs. Not at the beginning of the year like the Eagles. You know, not in the middle of the year like the Dolphins. But it's how you close out the year and what you could carry into the playoffs with you. And there's nobody that did it better than the Buffalo Bills this year. I mean, they, them and the Ravens really are the two teams. You know, Niners had some road bumps here and there. Obviously, they finished with a really uh, superb record. They're on the top seed. But just in terms of perception, they got their asses whooped. They were stomped by the Ravens. That was towards the end of the season. I think it was the second of the last game. And the Bills, on the other hand, they stomped pretty much everybody that they came up against. And they met every test late in the season. Now, with that said, there's a lot of Mahomes respect. Three-point favorite at home for the Bills means on a neutral field, these teams are even. Even though the perception is that the Bills are on a roll and that the Chiefs are so-and-so, you know, they're so-so this year. They're not like the previous Chiefs teams. What does that tell you guys? You expecting something big from the Chiefs? I am. I think think the Chiefs are going to go in to Buffalo and break the hearts of the Bills fans. I'm definitely taking the Chiefs straight up to win this ballgame. Again, I will never bet against Pat Mahomes until I see him 
with my own two eyes lead his team to consecutive losses. Until that point ever happens, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes. Now, this is going to be his first ever playoff game on the road. He knows that. Everybody knows that. They got the confidence and the swagger, though. You know, have you ever heard of it, like, when teams really just go through the motions? I think one of the Lakers teams a couple years ago, they're like, they just want to get into the playoffs. They didn't care what seed they're in. They're going to turn it up a notch. And uh, 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 the Warriors, same, same thing. You know, the Warriors, once they get to playoff time, that's when they turn it up a notch. And sure enough, we've, we've seen teams like that do it year in, year out. Kind of feel that that's sort of the case with, with the Chiefs. That come playoff time, they have the confidence and the swagger. They're Super Bowl champs multiple times. Nobody could beat us in the playoffs. We don't care about the regular season. This game has that kind of feel to me. And on the other side, I think there's probably going to be a lot of pressure on Josh Allen. Now, I don't know if this is going to play out the same way I'm going to describe it right now, but I have kind of seen a trend with the Bills and Josh Allen, which is namely really crisp first three, four drives of the game, get out to a nice lead, and then they don't make, they don't counter the other team's adjustments and end up not being as productive in the second half as the first half. I've seen that enough times from this Bills team to know that if the Chiefs keep it relatively close at halftime, the Chiefs are going to take this game. Mark my words on that. If it's anything within three at the half, especially if the Bills are down by three at the half, the Chiefs will make it happen and win this game because for whatever reason, the Bills just are not a second half of the game type performing team. There are exceptions, of course. That's just my observation. I've seen that their play calling changes. Josh Allen tightens up a little bit. They don't put up as many points. You know, uh, if you want a recent example, you don't need to look any further than last weekend's playoff game against the Steelers where they had a field goal and a tud in consecutive quarters, and that was it. Can't do that against the Chiefs. In my opinion, they have the wrong team favorite. I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs straight up to win this game and to pull the hearts out of Buffalo Bills fans once again. Let's go to the first game of the weekend. I'm going to call for a major upset. Now, before you guys get on me about, you know, what are you thinking here? Let me say this. You got four games coming up. You're not going to have four home teams win. I'm just talking statistically speaking. You're going to have a couple of road games. Road teams win. A couple of home teams win. You're going to have a couple of underdogs win. And you're going to have a couple of favorites win. So you got to have to look at it from that type of perspective and figure out who is most likely to get an upset. Who is the least likely to get upset? 
So for me, I would say that the most likely for an upset, I already said, is the Chiefs over the Bills. That wouldn't be a major upset. The other three games are six-point favorites or beyond. I would say the second most in back-to-back games, almost a tie, would be the Ravens and the 49ers. Now, hear me out. I think that they both have too long of a layoff. They will have gone three weeks without playing a game because they rested their starters in the last weekend of the season. So these guys haven't played in a long time. Now, who is more likely to overcome that kind of deficiency between the Ravens and the 49ers? I would say the Ravens are. The 49ers are more of a rhythmic offense. They're a team that Brock Purdy needs to be in a rhythm. You disrupt his rhythm, and you see what happens, which is interceptions. And that's what the Ravens figured out. They disrupted his rhythm. They couldn't let him get anything going. And that was the formula to victory. Uh, Packers have an underrated defense. Defense is really surging at the right time. I think it's an upset possibility. But the reason I say that the Ravens are an even uh, the the that the Texans are gonna pull off this upset, even though I said that the Ravens are less likely to uh, tighten up and not perform as well because of the three weeks, they're more adept to handle the three weeks, is because the Texans are really playing on house money. They weren't expected to do anything this season, let alone win a game. Let alone, I mean, let alone win a playoff game. Let alone to even make it into the playoffs, really. So I think they're going to be loose. I think we haven't even seen how epic C.J. Stroud could be. He reminds me a lot of Patrick Mahomes' first playoff run, where he was unproven, and then he proved himself. That's what I see C.J. Stroud doing in this game. I'm going to take the Texans upsetting the Ravens. Sorry, B. more fans. I'm going to do it. Now, even though I said the 49ers are less likely to be crisp and very likely to make some mistakes. I'm still going to take them over the Packers because I just think that they have way more talent on both sides, offensively and defensively. I mean, the Packers would probably need some pick sixes, like a pick six, a couple of fourth down stops, and maybe even a special teams touchdown. And then they'd have a chance. But otherwise, I think the 49ers are just too good of a team. In the last matchup, Lions and Buccaneers, you know, I think the Buccaneers are a nice story, but the Lions kind of feel like a team of destiny. I think the Lions win this ball game. I think they they end up in the AFC championship game and uh, the NFC championship game, excuse me. I believe that they will travel to San Francisco and face the Bills. I'm all messed up. Face the 49ers the following week. Anyway, since I'm messing up, I'm going to leave it at that. Those are my predictions for the games. That's all the time we have for this week's show. As always, thank you so much to Voice America, to my man Jordan, and most importantly, to you, the listener. Keep Pop DiPiazzi's family in your prayers. We will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. 
Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.